Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Today we answer your questions as we head into the All-Star break addressing OG Ananobi's free agency, the Knicks' future at the center position, and whether or not Jalen Brunson is a top five point guard in the NBA. We get into all that now on Locked On You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, so be sure, if you're seeing our smiling faces day in and day out on the YouTube side of things, to hit that subscription button and that notifications bell to ensure you never miss an episode. Because sometimes uh, we're not just your first listen every day. We're your first, second, and third listen Every single day, we've, we've been doing a lot uh, since the All Star, um, since the uh, trade deadline, and leading up to the trade deadline. And then, if you don't want to see our smiling faces day in and day out, be sure to hit that auto download function on your podcast platform of choice. And then, if you want to take things to the next level, subscribe to our subtext where we will uh, send you our thoughts on the New York Knicks day in and day out. And uh, you can ask us questions on the New York Knicks day in and day out. But who would you be talking to? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster who's been covering the NBA, um, doing some additional work on the broadcast side around the NBA and uh, high school and college sports for the last 10 years. Um, And today uh, we are answering your questions heading into the NBA All-Star break. So the first one comes from our buddy at Philip Cross 6733. And he said, Hey, I'd love to hear some takes on sustaining this success going forward, being able to afford OG. What happens with Arnstein? How any deadline moves could ultimately affect that? And then we got a related question from the Average Fan Podcast at underscore the Average Fan. Is there a chance of getting OG to opt into his player option then figuring it out later um, with his extension like the Knicks did with Josh Hart? Um, so let's let's start off addressing the OG um, portion of this. Um, I don't think there's much of a chance of, of the Knicks pulling off a similar trick to Josh Hart as OG's extension is, is slated to be a little bit under $20 million when he could probably command 30 to $40 million um, this offseason. Uh, the, the reason that that question is, is a very fair one is because the Knicks have have sort of had this uh, this this mafia type of environment uh, on contract negotiations with players where it just feels like there's, there's this deep trust between players and, and agents and, and, and Leon Rose's front office. And obviously it, uh, a big part of that is, is a lot of these players are represented by CAA, which Leon Rose used to run. And in turn there, there is a, a bond there and a connection and, and years and years and years of, of, of positive relations that, that typically would not exist between the Knicks. And, and one of the biggest agencies in, in the sport and has not existed in the past. And, and in turn, um, we've seen players kind of kind of show some goodwill and, and do the Knicks a favor. And then the Knicks tend to do them a favor down the road. OG Ananobi is a CAA client and uh, one of his three agents is a Leon Rose's son, Sam. So there is a world where that happens and and people um, who uh, run the NBA probably would not be super happy with that because it would probably look like collusion and it would look like that because it would be some form of collusion that likely would not ultimately be provable. And and, and maybe there's a world out there where OG and nobody says, hey, I want to play for a championship. I'm going to take uh, th- this heavy haircut for one year and then next year you guys are going to make things right and, and give me maybe even more money than you would have given me this season and an even longer contract than you would have given me this season. So I don't think it's out of the question. I would put it at something like a 5% chance just because he is an injury prone player. And I I think 10 to $20 million 
per season. Um, guaranteed, locked in is just too much to leave on on the table when anything could happen in life. And and, and I'm sure you trust Leon Rose, but at the end of the day, you, you just don't know what the future holds. And if that money is on the table, that is is ultimately generational and life changing in, in in a way that OG Ananobi is a very rich man, but has not quite gotten that level of paid yet. Um, I think he's ultimately going to take that. Um, that being said, I, I don't really have any fears that he is not on this team next year. And I think uh, the the framework of whatever the agreement is going to ultimately be this summer was was likely uh, already in place when the Knicks traded for him. Um, and, and in terms of what the Knicks have to do to, to make that a reality, whether that means moving off some guys on the team or, or adjusting how they handle um, certain trades and certain future deals, that is stuff uh, we will dive deep into over the summer. But I, I have some thoughts um, in terms of how they're going to clear up some room at the center position, which was the other part of the question. Isaiah Hartenstein's future on the New York Knicks. So the Knicks are, are, are limited in terms of how much they can pay him uh, without getting into, into the weeds of it. It's going to come out to somewhere around 16 and a half, 17 million dollars a year for Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, other teams in turn are, are not really limited in terms of what they can ultimately pay Isaiah. So I think there are a number of teams around the league that are, are going to threaten the Knicks ability to keep Hartenstein. Um, I kind of just ran through the rest of the NBA really quick in terms of who would potentially threaten the Knicks for iHeart. Um, New Orleans would have to do a lot of maneuvering to create room that would, would seriously threaten the Knicks. Like if he ultimately wants to, these, I like, I, I guess before even getting to the teams, I should say um, flat out to start that. I, I think Hartenstein like seems to love this team, obviously loves Mr. Robinson, assuming Mitch stays on those two are best friends. So I think, I think his inclination would ultimately be to stay a Nick if, if he, if he has his way, but if another team is offering an extra, I don't know, like four, five, six, seven million dollars a year, uh, could that change? Uh, possibly. So here, here are the teams that I think would be most interested in in doing that. Uh, New Orleans, he would be an incredible fit there. Again, they would have to do a lot of cap maneuvering and with their depth. Like I ultimately don't think they're a realistic option. Memphis uh, potentially would also have to do a little bit of maneuvering on the margins. But after trading Stephen Adams, they've opened up some room. And man, would Hartenstein be the perfect replacement for him as someone who is a little bit less injury prone and brings a lot of the same skill set to the table. Um, and, and is also someone who is like who is incredibly good and incredibly helpful, but not someone who needs to play 36 minutes a game. So it opens up some room to play Jaron Jackson Jr. at center for them. Um, could be a fun piece for Miami. Again, I don't think they'll ultimately have the cap room. In terms of the teams that really worry me, uh, the Bulls, if they find a way to move off of Nikola Vucevic, like they, they could just use the defense desperately. The Washington Wizards, who I'm going to uh, mention again in just a sec, uh, do not currently have a center on their roster and they will have money to blow. So I could see them uh, trying to go all in on Isaiah Hartenstein and really overpay for him. Maybe like a two year, like $24 million year contract, very similar to what the Pacers did this year with Bruce Brown. Like he, he would just make a lot of sense there. And I, I think make them a substantially better basketball team than they currently are. And then the Thunder are another team that um, 
pretty committed to Chet at the five based on this deadline, but also uh, would be interesting and could use a five. Again, we'll touch on that more in just a sec. Uh, Golden State, if they move off Clay Thompson, they could open up some room uh, to bring in someone like Hartenstein. That is more of a long shot option. But I think for those two of the last three teams I mentioned, the Wizards and the Thunder, there's another way this could go that involves the New York Knicks. Let's just say um, the Knicks ultimately um, do not pursue, because this is the big caveat to all this. Um, well, I'm not going to phrase it as pursue because if he's available, the Knicks pursue him. But let's just say Joel Embiid is, is ultimately off the table this summer, not available, right? Because if he's available, like you, you can totally scrap like whatever you want to say about Mitch, whatever you say want to say about iHeart, like Embiid is the beginning and end of the conversation at the center position if he asks out. Um, but let's just say he does not ask out of Philly. Um, I think there's a world where Isaiah Hartenstein does want to stay a Nick. No team offers him such a crazy amount of money that he wants to go somewhere else. And the Knicks instead move off of Mitchell Robinson this summer. So why, why would they move off of Mitchell Robinson in a year where he's proven to be probably one of the 10 to 12 to 15 best defensive players in the NBA. He's proven to be by a wide margin, the best offensive rebounder in the sport. One of the best offensive rebounders in the history of the sport. I think it ultimately comes down to the offensive flexibility that Isaiah Hardenstein offers. And, and in my mind, I think it'll be borne out in the playoffs that that offensive flexibility is an even bigger deal than it is in the regular season. And no, obviously Hardenstein is not shooting threes. Like he showed flashes of with the Clippers, um, but he is, someone who could handle the ball on the perimeter, whether that is as a triple handoff hub or someone who can pick out backdoor cutters. Um, he has the ability to hit from floater range, which which opens up just a little bit more room than Mitchell Robinson opens up. But I think it is it is a substantial amount of room when it comes to the margins of, of Jalen Brunson, again, against the playoff defense that is totally locked in on him, finishing at the rim. Julius Randle, who has struggled with his efficiency in the playoffs, being able to finish at the rim. I think Hartenstein, and I think the numbers offensively bear this out, um, just uh, gives you a, a little bit more spacing that ultimately could be the difference between winning and losing a game and, and, and maybe even winning or losing a series. And, and I think the factor that pushes it over the top is that Mitch has been shown to be extremely injury prone, while Hartenstein, while obviously dealing with that sore Achilles right now, that more than anything else is, is likely a product of him playing far more minutes, uh, far more consistently than he ever has in his NBA career, um, was one of seven guys in the NBA last year to play all 82 games. So I, I think the Knicks go with the safer option, the more reliable option, someone that maybe has a lower ceiling than Mitchell Robinson's best nights and, and, and most dominant stretches, like what we saw against the Cavs, um, but gives you a lot of the same stuff and, and takes less off the table. Um, and in turn, I think you could see the Knicks trying to trade Mitchell Robinson for uh, more future assets to, to have an even heavier package for a star. And, and the two teams that I'm thinking of in that Bain are the Washington Wizards, where I think the Knicks could get a fairly lightly protected first-round pick just because Mitch, I mean, he showed earlier this season, when healthy, he can be a high-level defensive ecosystem unto himself. And um, the Wizards just desperately, desperately need that. And then uh, our buddy, um, who we're going we're gonna to mention because he asked a question later in this pod, uh, Erm Lacage uh, threw out on Twitter the Oklahoma City Thunder and their ability – um, because they they have too many first round picks right now. They have about 20 coming up, or maybe more than that, maybe like 25 coming up in the next six or seven years. Um, they need to get off some first round picks. And 
even if they love Chet Holgram at their center of their five center center of the five, their center of the future. Um, I, I think they are going to realize in the playoffs in certain matchups, they need more size. They need more rebounding um, and, and they could use an additional rim protector, particularly if you're going up against a Nikola Jokic type guy. And in the regular season, I think it'll ultimately be borne out that it's best to keep some of those miles off of uh, Chet Holmgren, who missed his entire first season with an injury. And ta-da, Mitchell Robinson, the perfect guy to do that. And the Thunder, again, are more equipped than any team in the NBA to overpay for him and give the Knicks the fuel they need to overpay for someone like Joel Embiid or another superstar to be named later down the road. So just something to watch at the center position. Um, When we come back, uh, we are going to go rapid fire through some more of your questions, including the idea of bringing over Rogus Jakobitis, bring back Precious Achua, bring back Alec Burks, and addressing the idea of Jalen Brunson, a certified superstar. And where does he rank amongst the top point guards in the entire NBA? But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I am going with my guy, Asar Thompson, the Pistons overhauled their roster, and we can only hope that Monty Williams will bump Asar back into a larger role. Man, he is a unique fantasy weapon. Him and his brother, Amen Thompson, um, I would be doing all I could to acquire those guys a little bit for this year, just because they're already really helping out in terms of steals, blocks, rebounds, assists. But more so for the future, I think similar to Andre Kirilenko back in the day, they represent a unique level of versatility and, and and probably the guys most likely in the near future to get you the rare five by five game, which is fantasy gold. Josh Lloyd from locked on fantasy basketball is going to help you in your fantasy championship and eBay motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, led headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. What's up, guys? We are back on Locked On Knicks, continuing to roll through, answering all your questions. Questions. Next one comes from our buddy Bugsy Sig at Bugsy Sig. Do you see the Knicks bring Rokas Yakabitis over for next season? If so, how might he fit into the rotation? Also, thoughts on reacquiring Precious based on his recent play or the newly reacquired Alec Burks. Um, so I think um it's time to uh, crap or get off the pot uh, when it comes to the Rokas Yakabitis uh, bowel movement. Oh man, I'm doing my boy Rokas dirty. Anyways, um, it, it, it it's time to move. On Rogus Jakobitis is is what I'm trying to get across. Uh, the Knicks are, I think, maybe not in desperate need, but certainly in need of a guy who can just keep the keep the trains running on time with the second unit. And I think that is Rokas to a T. We saw it in FIBA play with Team Lithuania this summer. We see it um, in relatively limited option, uh, relatively limited action. For uh, Barcelona, where he averages 17 and a half minutes per game in EuroLeague play, plays a little bit more in Liga ACB, playing 
19 minutes per game um, that uh, he is, he probably just projects as a backup, but he's someone who is a high level creator again in FIBA in 25 minutes per game, average 5.3 assists per game um, in, in EuroLeague play this year, averaging 3.3 assists per game. Like he is a high level orchestrator, someone who is pretty good at getting to the rim has shown flashes of being a, a fairly talented three point shooter even if it's on low volume. And, and now does that exceed what Deuce McBride brings to the table as a potentially really good three-point shooter and a really good defender um, who cannot run an offense? Ideally, you would just be able to throw uh, Deuce and Rokas into some kind of machine and combine all their strengths into one human being. But at the end of the day, I kind of prioritize Rokas' ability to presumably run an NBA offense, um, which the Knicks just don't have on this roster right now outside of Jalen Brunson. And I, I think that would allow them to unlock some stuff on the second unit that is just being left on the table right now. So I'd be a big fan of bringing Rokas Jakobitis over and at least, at least give him a chance to win that 15 minute per game um, role. I, I, I don't see his role being any bigger than that, uh, barring something uh, catastrophic happening to Jalen Brunson. As far as the precious Achua and Alec Burke side of things, um, if that Mitchell Robinson trade that I mentioned last segment goes through, I could see the Knicks uh, bringing back Precious Achua um, to compete with Jericho Sims for those backup center minutes. Um, I, I think Sims provides a lot of what Tom Thibodeau wants um, as a backup center. And I, I think in this most recent stretch of play, like it's, it's probably the best I've seen him look on both ends of the floor. And, and for someone who for long, I mean, when he played earlier this season, I was like, all right, he's, he's just not an NBA rotation guy. Like I'm, I'm closer to believing that, but I, I think you go from, um, whether it's Mitch or iHeart having the best backup center in basketball to a lower end backup center, I think Precious offers you a little bit of a higher ceiling there, and, and he's shown to to fit the mold of, of just being an absolutely elite offensive rebounder. Obviously, on on the right night, on the right stretch of games, can also open the floor a little bit and 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 hit the occasional wide open three. Uh, pretty nice pick and roll chemistry with Jalen Brunson. Um, he, he, he would be a pretty solid option as a backup five. So I could, I could certainly see that going down if the Knicks move up Mitchell Robinson. If not, I think he's almost certainly gone. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to be a part of the rotation when Mitch is, uh, back and fully healthy, but that remains to be seen because Tom Thibodeau loves his, loves his big lineup. So maybe, maybe something surprising happens there. Um, Alec Burks, I think is a longer shot to be back just because I don't, I don't really see a spot in the rotation form, unless the experiment this year of which, which was a, a little bit of deja vu as the Knicks have been there, done that at playing him at, at backup point guard. I, I think the Knicks are going to find that they will be a little bit better off having a true backup point guard instead of trying to shoehorn Alec Burks in there. And yes, his, his shooting is really valuable. And I think he's going to have a, a moment or a game in the playoffs where we're, we're all kind of saying to ourselves, all right, like he, he just dropped 24 points in, in game six off the bench. There's, there's no way we can move off this guy. I would, I, I, I ultimately think um, he's not going to be on this team next year, but uh, I've been, I've been wrong before. All right. Uh, next question come from uh, Eric, the actor 805. I, I missed the YouTube screenshot. So I just, I just took a picture of the question I wrote. Um, could Boyan allow the Knicks to trade Julius Randle for a second star player next to Jalen Brunson. So I think the the thinking here is that Bojan um, could be uh, the Knicks starting four next year. And because you have a quality option there um, and, and an elite shooter that will open the floor up even more for Jalen Brunson, you could turn Julius Randle into uh, some kind of an elite wing, probably not Paul George, but a, a Paul George-esque guy, someone in that mold. 
Um, I ultimately don't see that happening. Or I guess the better way to phrase it is this. I think if the Knicks decide to move off Julius Randle, it's, it's just not going to be because of Bojan Bogdanovic. We still have yet to see how his defense translates to the playoffs um, and whether like he's a 30-plus minute per game guy in the playoffs or I think more likely more of a 20-minute guy come playoff time. And also, like it just doesn't fit the Tom Thibodeau MO at all. Like Not that Julius Randle is a great defender, but at least one-on-one he's capable and he's not on the ball typically a liability. Um, and then perhaps the even bigger thing there is just how good of a rebounder Julius Randle is and, and, and what he provides on both ends of the floor in that respect. And where we've seen the Knicks really suffer um, since he's been out and, 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 and since OG Ananobi's been out is in terms of rebounding and that, that no longer being an elite aspect of this team. And even though Julius at times is loafing on defense um, and, and, and like makes you want to rip your hair out of your head. Uh, he is, um, I, I think an underrated part of the infrastructure that allows the Knicks to be so good on that end of the floor, just because of his sheer size and because of his rebounding. And I don't think even if the Knicks were getting an elite two-way wing to pair with OG Ananobi, uh, that Bojan Bogdanovic would 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 be the uh, would sort of be like, oh yeah, we have Bojan, we don't need Julius anymore. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not making that connection. Even if I could see how you could do it when the Knicks bring in a 20-point scorer who nominally plays power forward. I think the other thing worth noting. Is, is while Bojan has played the vast majority of his minutes at power forward this year, both for the Pistons and the Knicks, um, both the Pistons and the Knicks in a very small sample size have performed substantially better as a team when he is playing small forward. And I think that is, again, where you see his lack of rebounding, his lack of size as a forward, only 220 pounds, um, become a significant factor. Um, and then we got one more question from our buddy Eric. Um, could we still trade for DeJounte Murray? Could DiVincenzo, Sims, Achua, plus one or two first round picks be a possibility? Um, I I don't see it. Again, like I know, I know I made this point already, and we got we got some pushback and we got some quality pushback on it in the comments, but I, I think um DeJounte Murray is at his best as a point guard. And on the New York Knicks, he would not be the point guard, he would not be on the ball. And I, I know the argument that that Jalen has the opportunity or not the opportunity, has the ability to operate off the ball and probably be really stinking good. Doing it, um, I just don't see the Knicks choosing to take the ball out of their best player's hands. And I think they want Jalen touching as much as possible, running offense as much as possible. And the idea of having a possession uh, where Jalen Brunson is not the sun, the moon and the stars is is totally unpalatable without the Knicks bringing in an all-NBA level talent um, to supplement him. And uh, I do not think DeJounte Murray is quite that. Again, there's a world where they they move off of Julius and they bring in someone like Joel Embiid and, and, and maybe the way the roster resituates itself opens up an opportunity to bring in someone like DeJounte Murray and it makes a little bit more sense, even if you're not getting the best version of him. But for now, um, that does not uh, really strike me as something the Knicks are likely to pursue this summer. And then it's, it's a whole different conversation whether the Knicks want to give up assets, um, like a first round, second round pick to trade for him, and whether um, Atlanta thinks that's their best move or Atlanta maybe wants to move off with Trey Young instead, which which we've heard um, uh, from guys like Howard Beck, um, increased rumblings that that is maybe the direction the Hawks will ultimately want to go. All right, we are going to wrap things up um, talking about uh, Jalen Brunson and whether or not he's a top five point guard in the NBA. Um, but first, I want to tell you guys about our friends um, over at Robin Hood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. 
But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and condition. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a member, is a registered broker dealer. All right, guys, our final question uh, comes from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan. Where do you rank Brunson in the rankings of NBA point guards in your own opinion? And why do you feel that way? All right, let's go. Um, I, I don't know why I made a list of 14. It's kind of an arbitrary number, but th- those are who I feel, I guess, are the star point guards in the league. It's very plausible. I forgot someone and feel free to tell me in the comments. And then my, my final qualifier on here is the the positional designation of point guard, just because I didn't want it to be arbitrary. I used cleaning the glass metrics and, and only included guys who played over 50% of their minutes at point guard this year. So Kyrie Irving did not make the list. We see has played uh, 60% of his minutes as a two. Um, and guys like Luka Doncic and Devin Booker, who might not traditionally be considered ones, um, are on this list as ones because they've played the majority of their minutes in Luka's case, uh, the pretty much all of his minutes as the point guard of their team when they're on the floor this season, despite them being oversized. And uh, in Devin Booker's case, kind of a classic two guard. All right, uh, number 14 is LaMelo Ball. Number 13 is Darius Garland. Uh, just needs to see those two um, have success in the playoffs. LaMelo is obviously a lot further off from that than Darius Garland and has not played a whole lot. Garland, I'm a big fan of. Again, just uh, just a little bit of a down season for him. Number 12, uh, Drew Holiday, best player, or not best player, but one of the best players on a championship team. Um, incredible defender, incredible winner. Um, even if he's fallen off a little bit this year offensively and his playoff offensive numbers the last few years have not been very good. I, I think that pedigree um, earns him a spot at 12. Number 11 is Trey Young, um, a top 10 offense onto himself, like extraordinary. And the ecosystem on sheer ability should probably be a little bit higher. The efficiency has tailed off. He's not turned into quite the shooter. I think people expect him to be out of Oklahoma. And again, despite the fact that he's been the best player on a conference finals team, the further we get away from that year, the flukier it appears to to be. And I, I, I just wonder how much all of his ability, all of his statistical production ultimately correlates and, and, and translates to winning. Uh, James Harden, uh, number 10, I would have had him quite a bit lower if, if not off this list. Um, uh, at, at points, well, maybe not off this list, but lower on this list a year ago, really impressed me what he has done with the Clippers and how he has uh, shifted his game um, to to fit in with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Number nine, John Morant, again, on sheer talent, should probably be maybe four, five, six spots higher than this. Uh, just too much, too much off the court stuff. Now the injury this year um, and, and just has not really seemed to have improved meaningfully as a shooter to be further on this list. Eight, Tyrese Maxey, love the kid. I um, think he's incredible. think a year from now, he could very easily be pushing for top five. I think we just need to continue to see it over a little bit of a larger sample size, but he is a badass. Um, number number seven, uh, De'Aaron Fox. Um, again, someone you could, like these next three guys, you could you could probably have in any order, and I would be perfectly okay with it. Um, 
just uh, a little bit less efficient than the two guys I have ahead of him um, is probably the single biggest factor there and the fact that Sacramento isn't quite as good this year as they are last year. And uh, the advanced statistics are not particularly inclined, um, inclined towards De'Aaron Fox. Um, he's well below. I'll, I'll just spoil who my next two guys are. They're Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton. He's, he's just way down. Like I'm talking 30, 40 spots below those two in, in categories like Vorp and, and win shares and Fox plus minus. All right. Uh, I have Jalen Brunson at five and Tyrese Halliburton at six. And again, this is maybe some Knicks bias leaking through. Like I think, um, I mean, Halliburton um, hit heights. Um, as a player, the first 30 games this season that I, I think the only time you could argue Jalen Brunson has been that good is, is probably the last three or so games of the Heat series, which is just a much smaller sample size. And Halliburton is, is obviously just worlds better as, as a passer and is, is I mean, right there with Nikola Jokic, as, as I mean, with a shout out to LeBron and Luka as, as the best passer in basketball. Like I, I the numbers say he is clearly the best passer in all of basketball. Um, I just need to see it in the playoffs just just once with him. And, and maybe that's not fair because I, I do have Che Gillis Alexander higher up this list who also hasn't shown anything in the playoffs yet. But um, I, I, I just kind of want to see that it's real in the biggest games and the biggest stages. And I, I know he was amazing in the in-season tournament, but if there's, if there's sort of a hesitancy there uh, with Tyrese Halliburton, it is that. Whereas with Jalen Brunson, we, we've seen it on, on the biggest stages and there's just proof of concept, but if, but anyone who wants to have Halliburton ahead of Brunson um, and probably people more neutral than me, but if Halliburton ahead of Brunson, but Brunson is just, uh, is just such a killer. And, 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 and just like, if he feels like Captain America, it feels like Iron Man in that, like you, you almost feel like it, it, it's pre-written that he's going to find a way in the most important moments. So I have Jalen Brunson five, uh, top four real quick, uh, Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Luka Doncic, who I think is in a category of his own. So that's my top fifth, 14. I would love to hear all of yours in the comments. Um, and then final thing, uh, also from Jordan Bub at Bub Jordan. Uh, he just wanted to know um, if, uh, oops, that's from Erin Lukaj, um, what my definition of a superstar is and if I think Brunson has reached that level and if he has another one. Um, I would clarify superstar as someone who is capable of being the best player on a conference um, championship team. Um, not a team that wins a conference championship, but a team that makes an appearance um, in the conference championship. Um, and I think Jalen Brunson is capable of that. I think he might prove that out this year, um, but he's towing the line of, of true superstardom. Uh, where, where do I think he's another level to go? I, I just think because of his physical limitations, he's, he's never going to be a better defender than he is now. Offensively, I think his pick and roll craft could continue to improve and should continue to improve despite the fact that he's 27 and nominally his prime. I think we all have to remember that this is only like the middle of his second year getting to run an NBA offense full time because he never got to do that except for um, when Luka Doncic was off the floor in Dallas. Um, so I think there's still room to grow there. And I think the next spacing limitations and their style of offense without ISO heavy they are, they haven't had a ton of opportunity to do that, but I've liked what I've seen him do with Precious Chua in that respect. And then I think the only other thing is continuing to um, increase the volume that he shoots from super duper deep. We, we saw um, earlier in the season when the Knicks were healthier and I think Brunson had his legs under him a little bit more, um, his ability to hit from what I would call four point range. Like if he can get really consistent from there and like put up, I don't know, three, four shots a game from over 26 feet, um, that will change the way he is guarded. 
That'll change the level of attention he gets defensively um, to like, like an even like higher level of red alert. And I think we'll, we'll open up his driving game even more, which um, in the regular season, he doesn't necessarily need to be successful in the playoffs against the best defenses, I think will be a big asset for him. Uh, that's it for this edition of Locked on Knicks. We will have so much coverage of All-Star Weekend, and we'll try to get some guests on early next week before the Knicks uh, resume games. But until then, I'm Gavin Shaw. We'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks.